It's time for the number one talk show of Eastern Connecticut and Southern Rhode Island. The Stu Breyer Potpourri Talk Show on 1310 WICH. Now, here's Stu Breyer. Welcome to our program. Unfortunately, we're not going to talk about cheetahs, but we will talk about uh, our world, our country, and our buddy, the Colonel Rob Simmons. Hi, Rob. Hey, good morning, Stu. How are we doing today? Good. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, let me vent. Let me vent. You can vent, and it'll be quite an event here on this program. I want to start this off. Uh, the program is sometimes uh, when we hear people who vote for this person or that person, it's just for one issue, and it appears with all the uh, problems that we do have in the country, the divisiveness, and we're talking about crime, the economy, the Middle East, political correctness. That it, it appears that. The abortion issue may be the number one issue in the next big election. What do you think? Oh, I, I think that's definitely true. Um, I would say, roughly speaking, 50%, maybe 52 53% of Americans are women. And... Um, as a consequence, that's a very large group of people. I mean, I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But I would say it's a substantial number of people for whom the abortion issue hits home because basically women, women have babies, <laughs> and babies or fetuses or whatever terminology you want to use are aborted for whatever reason. And when Roe versus Wade was voted down by the Supreme Court, essentially what the court said was that this is an issue for the states to determine. As a consequence of that, states across the country are confronted with what is our position on abortion. Now, in the state of Connecticut, we have had a pretty pretty consistent set of laws dealing with that issue so that when I was a candidate for state representative in 1991, I was asked, what's your position on abortion? I said, essentially, I'm I'm pro-choice. I am essentially pro-choice, but I will abide by the existing law, which I believe was passed in 1988, in other words, it was passed several years before I was elected, which was bipartisan in nature and set out a procedure for dealing with the issue that protected women, but it also protected the, the fetus in the, or the child in the third trimester. And it was a compromise. It was a compromise between Republicans and Democrats, between Catholics and Christians and Jews, between conservatives and liberals. And, and that kind of a compromise didn't make everybody perfectly happy or perfectly unhappy, mm-hmm. but it seemed to work. Generally speaking, it seemed to work. And in the 10 years that I served in the legislature, there were certain individuals who tried to amend it, but the the votes weren't there, and it never happened. And when I was ran for Congress, once again, the issue came up. You know, your, what's your position on abortion? I said, as a, as a member, if elected to Congress, my position is what it was when I was elected to the General Assembly. 
I will abide by state law. And, and in the case of being a congressman, uh, Roe versus Wade had made the decision. So, so, you know, there was a lot of symbolic voting. I call it symbolic because none of it changed anything. Uh, but the decision of the Supreme Court did change things. It changed things across the country. Some states have moved forward to try to eliminate abortion altogether. Others have, have <clears throat> tried to extend uh, the protection uh, for fetuses or children up, up in the third trimester, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. So, so by virtue of the Supreme Court decision putting this issue back into every state, it has created a situation where abortion is a very important issue to, to at least 50% of the population of the United States of America who are women, and, and, and also uh, men seem to be taking position. So when you talk about pro-choice or pro-life, Stu, you're talking about a divide, a divide in America. I am pro-choice or I am pro-life. Um, <clears throat> what we really should be talking about is reproductive rights. What are our reproductive rights? And what, what is included under reproductive rights? And that should be determined by the states. And in the, here in the state of Connecticut, that debate is, has pretty much been decided, although there are some candidates who continue to bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Uh, even though I was pro-choice as a candidate, that wasn't my number one priority. My number one priority uh, as a member of the Connecticut General Assembly was to fight the income tax, which I did, and we lost. You know, that's but interesting, I, yeah. But I fought mm-hmm. for economic justice thereafter. My number one issue when I ran for Congress mm-hmm. was the treatment of veterans. And, and yes, I went on the Veterans Affairs Committee, and yes, uh, I was able to do very substantial things to help the veterans. So it's really a question the candidates really have to decide what's the, what is their priority going to be and speak to that priority. And... and uh, uh, if, if, in fact, that's the number one issue, if, if abortion is the number one issue in Connecticut, then the candidates are going to have to deal with it, just the way they are, they are across the country. See, I'm not saying it's not an important issue for women, uh, which I, obviously it is, but um, when you consider some of the other things that are affecting our country and bringing our country down, it seems to they z- seem to zero in one thing, and we have a lot of things to deal with, but... It's an interesting. Well, but I, let, let me ask you this, Stu. Hmm. Is this is this uh, an issue that people like to talk about? I don't. Probably not. I don't like talking about it. I, I, it makes me. It's, it's a difficult issue to deal with. Sure. Uh, so people don't like talking about it. But when they go in the voting booth, they vote on it. Well, I think in this last election made it quite obvious. That, That's uh, exactly correct. A very popular governor of Virginia made this a big issue for his uh, legislative candidates, and they lost. Mm-hmm. And, they uh, lost. He's very, you know, he's general about that issue, and I don't think he's uh, very uh, over the top with it, with his feelings on abortion. It's not like he says uh, definitely no, 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 but um, obviously it was enough to keep people That's away. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And, and as an elected official, 
you have you do your best to represent your constituency but you have to understand that there are certain issues that are very divisive and so if you wrap yourself around one side or another of a very divisive issue and you and you're not very good at counting heads to see mm-hmm. where your constituency constituency stands you run the risk of losing well that's uh, what obviously because uh in my opinion, and probably yours, because the Democrats don't have a lot to run on, that's going to be one of their big issues. Well, of course it will. They'll make it a big issue, and so will the media. They can't run on 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 um, the economy because the economy sucks. They can't run on the price of energy because the price of energy sucks. They can't run on on inflation or or cost of living because all of those numbers are off. They can't run run on border security because there is no border security. Um, so, so what are they? Oh, I know what we'll run on. We'll run on abortion. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and the tr- and the Republicans are stupid enough to fall into that trap, and that's too bad for them if they're that stupid. Yeah, sometimes abortion uh, is an important issue, but it's not the only issue. And and dur- if you watched the uh, Republican debate last night, and I had trouble watching it, I had trouble. I couldn't get it on TV, so. I could only get portions of it on my computer. Really, it was on NBC. Okay, yeah. I know it was. It was. Yeah. Did you watch it? I watched a lot of it. You know, I couldn't get it at my television. Maybe I have a a a cheap Charlie program <laughs> uh, right. with Comcast, but they kept saying I had to pay for it. Really, I had to pay right. for it. I had to put in a password and do all kinds of stuff. So maybe you have maybe you have a better TV. Mm-hmm. program with Comcast than I do, but I had to come down and get it on, on my computer and it and it came it came in and out. But my recollection was that the uh, the big debate was the the big debate points were Israel and Hamas, mm-hmm. the USSR and Ukraine, the sort of the Cold War with China in issues relative to Taiwan, national security, TikTok, um, and and things of that. I don't recall the debate questions being on abortion, but I might have missed that point. I might have abortion. missed it, too, because I don't remember them getting into that, of course. But, uh, all yeah. right, let's, uh, let's talk about, if you will, the uh, kind of opened up our, our eyes on what is going on in our colleges and how much hate there is among American <clears throat> people students and other people uh, taking an opportunity to just take one side in in the issue of uh, you know what are we doing to the Palestinians what are we doing to Hamas and I noticed when some of these young people or people are interviewed they do not have a clue of what went down it's very frightening well it is and, and Stu uh, I wrote an op-ed for the Jewish ledger in 2009 <clears throat> where I addressed uh, anti-Semitism, and I said anti-Semitism is a homeland security problem, and I said there there are two ways of dealing with it. The first tool for dealing with, anti, with anti-Semitism is education at every level, uh, of the you know, the home, the school, the public space, at every level, and then the second is intelligence. Uh, in other words, we have to have good intelligence to make sure that that people who engage in, in anti-Semitic actions, not just words, but actions, are prevented from uh, 
committing violence against Jews in America. Um, but with regard to education, I have a um, I have an article from the New York Post that came out on Sunday, November fifth, front page. A pre-K teacher in a Manhattan public school is foisting pro-Palestinian anti-Israel hate on young kids and on the social media, Sirania Aboud called Israel a fascist ethnostate and has encouraged parents to attend pro-Palestinian rallies and she uses a book for her kid, for the kids, called P is for Palestine, a Palestinian alphabet book where it promotes Palestine, and, and under the letter J in this book, this teacher is, is uh, using with these pre-K children, J is for jihad. J is for jihad. Now, now that's at an elementary school level. I'm a graduate of uh, the Kennedy School at Harvard. I got a master's degree from the Kennedy School at Harvard, and I wrote a letter this week to the dean of the Kennedy School and I told him, I'll summarize a little bit, I told him that while I'm, I'm not surprised at what Hamas, Hezbollah, and other terrorist groups are doing to um, Israeli and foreign Jewish citizens, I'm not surprised by that because I've spent 40 years being involved in counterterrorism as a CIA and intelligence officer. Uh, I am surprised by what I call the mob response of college students at Harvard and elsewhere in America, that mob response uh, against Jews and in support of Hamas uh, is appalling. And I asked the dean, what have you done at the Kennedy School to provide balanced academic mm -hmm. and intellectual leadership mm -hmm. for this incredibly one-sided discussion? Yes. Who among your professors speaks for Israel? Who teaches the evils of Nazi, Nazi, Nazi Germany and the Holocaust? How many of your faculty are Jewish, and how are they treated by the faculty and student body? Please let me know. Well, I sent this letter off this week, and I have not yet received a response. But, but this goes to your point. What, what do these kids know? <laughs> what do they know about Hamas? What do they know about Hezbollah? Are they being propagandized at, at not just a college level, but in high school or in the case of this one teacher in New York City, a public school teacher, pre-K. What kind of poison is filling their minds? And, and how is this playing out in America? In my op-ed years ago, 2009, I said some of the attacks against Jews are what we call lone wolf events. And I said, um, hopefully these, these are isolated events. Um, however, it's no longer isolated. These rallies are coordinated across the country, much as Antifa uh, coordinated and BLM coordinated attacks uh, on statues and on um, police stations and on symbols of authority <clears throat> over the last several years. Well, now these attacks, the, the spray painting of the White House gate, the Nazi symbols being flashed, uh, the murder of a Jewish uh, man in California he was hit in the face with a 
with a bullhorn and knocked to the concrete and died, and the person who did it has now been arrested. I mean, this this is coordinated. This is not a lone wolf. This is not a single individual who, for whatever reason, uh, hates Jews. This is a national-level, organized jihad, if you will, against the symbols of authority in this country that, that support uh, the, the Jewish community and our own president comes out with a statement quote I know many of you in the Muslim American community uh, the Arab American community the Palestinian American community and so many others are outraged saying to yourself here we go again with Islamophobia and distrust we saw after 9-11 President Biden said in his October 19th primetime address well wait a minute Joe uh, Muslim Americans, Arab Americans, Palestinian Americans. What about Jewish Americans? <laughs> How can you leave them out? And then, who who do you put in charge of your Islamoph- uh, Islamophobia program, Joe? <clears throat> Kamala Harris? You're right. Are you kidding me? Why is that, Joe? Because she did just such a great job with the border? And she's, she's doing a fantastic job with AI. I think she knows what AI stands for. And now you're going to put her in charge of the Commission on Islamophobia. When it's, when it's the Jews that are being slaughtered, innocent men, women, and children burned to death, hacked to death, decapitated, the, some of the worst atrocities that, that we've seen from Hamas and Hezbollah, any time, and, and, and some would say the worst atrocities since the Holocaust. I am surprised. But does anybody, uh, do we have Holocaust studies anymore? I'm so surprised, Rob, that so, how uninformed some of these young people are. I would love to interview them. I just wanted to play this little minute soundbite of uh, somebody interviewing some of those people that are in the demonstrating sure. for, uh, you know, Palestine. And it, it's. I hope the audio is okay, but listen to this one. Yeah. Doing a, a quick petition to help Hamas free Palestine. Uh, you're all in? All right. Oh, uh, yeah, you're in? I just have to read terms and conditions just so you know you know what you're signing. By supporting Hamas freeing Palestine, you agree to the following. You agree that every Jew, Christian, and non-Muslim in the world must be slaughtered? I don't know about that one. You endorse making homosexuality punishable by jail or death? What? Oh, no, that. You don't agree with that? You believe Iran should use Palestinians as puppets to spread radical jihad and destroy the West? No? Nope. I'm glad I read the uh, terms and agreements. You support strict Sharia law, which bans women from showing their knees, hair, playing sports in public, not being able to travel without a man's permission. I'm sorry. Not interested? Oh, okay. You want a terrorist group that beheads babies and rapes girls to replace only democracy in the Middle East? I'm not sure that's something to support. So if I sign, I agree with this? Yes. Maybe no. No? Okay. Oh, no. Thank you. No. I don't support any of these two things that you just read to me, so okay. I won't be able to sign this now. That's fair. No, thanks for not signing. <laughs> Okay, so that is Mike Greenblatt. He's I, guess going up to the, uh, express... I guess they're not going to sign those petitions now. No, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's a classic case. That's a classic, of, isn't of, it? Um, yeah. Kids being, they're not being educated on our campuses. They're being propagandized. And and the question that I can ask myself, I'm no, I no longer teach. I taught for 10 years at Yale. I was a visiting lecturer. 
I, I spent four years as a teaching assistant at the University of Connecticut, UConn. I attended Harvard uh, in, as a graduate student in the uh, Chinese language and area studies program for a year, and then also for a year as a, in the Kennedy School for a master's degree. And, and the best I can do at this stage of the game, I'm not a billionaire, so I can't call them up and say I'm not giving you money anymore, but for the billionaires that are doing that, I say three cheers. That's the way it should be. Uh, but at the very least, I can send them a, a letter and say, what are you in the Kennedy School, what are you doing to provide? You're supposed to be providing a training uh, for the future leaders of America. It's a Kennedy School. It's named after Jack Fitzgerald Kennedy, who actually uh, challenged the status quo uh, running for president as a Catholic. And I remember back then that people said, we can't have a Catholic <laughs> I remember president. well, yes. The Pope will tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And we can't have somebody uh, calling the Pope for every dis- well. Of course, that was that was discrimination against Catholics, and, of course. and the Pope wasn't telling him what to do. But so why why is it that when we have a Kennedy School of Government on the campus of Harvard and part of the Harvard University system, why are they not speaking up about this? Why are they not? Saying, hey, you know what? <laughs> this this uh, one-sided pro-Hamas uh, uh, set of demonstrations against Jews, and if you're pro-Hamas and you support the uh, Hamas covenant, it goes to the elimination of Israel and killing Jews. I mean, it's it's it basically says that in the covenant. How can this be a position? that Americans support. And when, when my wife serves on the school board in the town of Stonington, and they initiate a, a program of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, how come diversity, equity, and inclusion does not focus and support Jewish students? What's with that? It's, What's going on going here? We brought this to, I mean, this is not the only situation in colleges through the years. It, it appears, and maybe I'm just getting a little overboard with it, that, that there are too many leaders in colleges who are just plain anti-American. Yeah. I mean... It's, 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 uh, it's disgraceful. Now, when I, when I went, came back from Vietnam and went to Harvard uh, to study in the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, I, I focused on their Asian studies program. I studied Chinese. I was in and out of what they call the Yenching Institute there because um, I was very interested uh, obviously after spending time in, in Vietnam. I was very interested in, in learning more about the history and culture of, of these Asian countries. And when I was studying Chinese, I had a Chinese teacher who <clears throat> inquired as to you know, I was a little older some, than some of the other students where I'd been and I said, well, I'd been in the army, I'd been in Vietnam. She said, oh, well, that's terrible. I don't want to teach you Chinese. <clears throat> Maybe if I teach you Chinese, you'll use it to kill Chinese people. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked at her and I said, what are you talking about? She says, well, you, you're in the Army. You've been in the Army, and you're in the Army Reserves, and you're studying Chinese, and maybe you'll use that skill to kill Chinese. I said, look, I'm, I'm just here to, to learn. I'm not here to get involved in some political debate. Uh, as a graduate student, uh, you know, you have to get uh, B plus, A minus, A's and, B, A's and B pluses to move forward. She gave me a C in Chinese. 
That's nice. That's, in other words, she basically screwed my opportunity to go forward hmm. uh, as a graduate student. So I left after a year. Uh, that's a form of discrimination that I encountered uh, at Harvard way back then. It was discrimination against the American veteran. Well, I hope the people are, uh, hope people are wising up uh, to, I hope, finally, during the height of COVID, they started to learn a little bit more about what was going on with the teaching. I, I, before I get too carried away, Rob, thanks for being with us. i got to take a break. We'll be right back. You got it. Rob Simmons. The Colonel is here, Vietnam vet, my pal Rob Simmons, one of the fairest politicians that I have ever met, who cares deeply about this country, would like to keep it sane as it possibly can. You know, my three granddaughters who are very, very bright, but when they get out of college, uh, I know which direction they were teaching them. I mean, I could just tell. Of course. And I, th- I don't think they got the other side of issues. So, I mean, it could tell well, immediately. It's a, it's a damn shame because academic freedom is a fundamental freedom for all Americans, academic freedom. It's certainly something that I believe in. And <clears throat> academic freedom requires that the university maintain a balanced, a fair and balanced approach to issues that are taught and that are learned and that critical thinking skills are promoted. When you have faculty that are totally one-sided on issues and grade the students accordingly, and students, uh, I've encountered students at UConn and Yale who have said to me, I'm not going to take that person's course because I don't believe in their point of view, and if I go in there, they'll mm-hmm. flunk me or they'll give me a low grade. <clears throat> I mean, this, this, this happens, and this is going on. Well, if that, if that uh, is happening, the person should lose their job. Harvard, yeah. Yale or Princeton or mm-hmm. Stanford or or UC Berkeley or elsewhere, and, and there are riots, uh, and, and they are uh, prevented from coming on campus or even from speaking. This is, this is absolutely wrong. It's not as if, as if you're inviting some, a, a member of the Nazi party right. uh, to come and, and speak. Um, conservatives are Americans. They have a, a somewhat different point of view from liberals, but, but I used to tell people uh, in my political career, my mom is a is a Democrat. My wife is unaffiliated. My daughter is a Republican, and I love them all. Sure, I love them all. Uh, you, you know, I can accommodate my mom, who is a liberal Democrat, who grew up in a household where my grandfather was a college classmate of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I can deal with that. That doesn't mean I agree with it with all of Roosevelt's policies, but I can I can deal. Uh, I can deal with the, uh, with his presidency and and what he was trying to do back at that time. <clears throat> to be unaffiliated, my, like my wife, she's a public school teacher. She felt as a public school teacher she shouldn't affiliate with a party. Although in Connecticut, the CEA, generally speaking, uh, supports Repub- uh, Democrats across the board, no matter who you are. They never supported me, even though I was a teacher at Yale and at UConn. <laughs> And, and then, of course, you know, you've got my daughter, who's, who was a Republican. I'm not sure that she is anymore. I mean, you, you know, you can, you can accommodate different people having different points of view. But if you exclude points of view that are legitimate, 
then you're no longer educating the next generation. You're propaganda. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's happening. And the motto in colleges is free speech. We agree with that 100% as long as it's what we believe in. Well, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. That's not free speech at all. No. Listen, uh, uh, that, let me that ask is, you... Uh, that is unfree. And unfortunately, Stu, um, when we get to our print media, my family ran a, an independent newspaper in Oregon for three generations. And eventually, with the death of my uh, grandfather and my grandmother and other family members, um, uh, we sold it. And now it's just part of a big chain. And if you if you read the newspapers carefully, the the Westerly Sun, the New London Day, as I do, even the uh, the Hartford Current and Norwich Bulletin, these are basically receptacles of the national level news media, the Associated Press, uh, Bloomberg, Washington Post, New York Times, and the other services. They they are simply taking material that's being downloaded to them and mm-hmm. except for the sports page and the obituaries um, there's there, and, and maybe a few local election a little local election coverage there's there's very more there's very little independence and originality left in the views that they take because they're no longer family owned they no longer rely on advertisements from the local community and therefore they're no longer responsive to in, the reason the absolute, why uh, a lot of their readership has died out the abs- and gone absolute and proof finished. to that was when the uh, hospital was blown up in uh, in Perfect the Gaza, example. and immediately uh, Israeli rockets blow. Mm. Of course, they were wrong. They didn't yeah. want to wait to get the whole. I mean, that sh- if you needed any evidence, it was right there in front of you. Well, I think so too. And and I have an article here from the New York Post, November eighth, uh, that came out that the um, the uh, Israel is under attack. As a headline, then it says hideout under hospital. And then a, 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 a lower headline, Hamas Tunnel Complex below Al-Shifa. Well, the Al-Shifa Hospital apparently has a whole Hamas headquarters underneath it and a tunnel complex and a series of uh, facilities and the headquarters of the Palestinian terror group leader. The leader of the headquarters has his his uh, underground complex under the hospital. You're right. And then the underground networks go under hospitals and schools and mosques and other facilities that normally would not be considered military targets. But they do that on purpose. They do it on purpose. Um, And they do it to try to defend their terrorists. They call their terrorists militants. They're not militants. There's nothing military about somebody who gets hopped up on drugs and goes into a kibbutz and starts uh, stabbing and killing and decapitating and raping innocent civilians. They're not militants at all. They're terrorists. They're, uh, and they, they don't abide by the Geneva Convention, yet Israel as a state is required to abide by the Geneva Convention to the extent possible. But if if you tell people to get out of a building or out of a neighborhood because it's going to be attacked, then you get out. And if you don't get out, you bear the consequences. And that's just simply uh, logic. <clears throat> and when uh, 
when I served in Vietnam, there was a, a, a North Vietnamese headquarters called the Central Office for South Vietnam, or Cosman headquarters, and they were orchestrating all of the the attacks in my area of operations. So that was an intelligence target, and we eventually located it and bombed it and collapsed it and killed uh, Nguyen Chi Tan, who was the head general occupying that facility. Now, somebody could say, well, the facility had medical, it had, it had a, med- a Viet Cong or North Vietnamese medical facility underground in there, uh, and that was damage. Well, that's collateral damage. That was not our goal. Our goal was, that, was the, the headquarters, the military headquarters, and the leadership. And I'm sure that's the case with Israel and Gaza as well. The last thing they, they want to do is, is blow up, uh, is kill school children or refugees or innocent civilians. But when, when Hamas uses these facilities to protect their terrorists, then they become legitimate targets. Let me ask you this, uh, Rob. Uh, we heard the word censor, which you don't hear very often in Washington. This yeah. Talib uh, is censored. What does that actually mean? Well, um, it's, uh, it's what happened to uh, Congresswoman Talib this past week, uh, Rashida Talib from Michigan, who was saying things about Hamas and about Israel that were offensive to a majority of the members of the House. And the House is authorized under its rules to discipline its members. And there are several forms of discipline. One is expulsion, where a member can actually be thrown out of the House of Representatives. And when I served in 2002, James Traficant, who is a Democrat from Ohio, was convicted of bribery, uh, corruption, obstruction of justice, tax evasion, racketeering, and he was thrown out. He was expelled. That's good. So th- that, that is the most serious action that the House can take against its members. The second most serious is being censured, where the House votes to censure a member based on remarks that they make, but they are not removed from office. And censuring goes way back uh, to the 1830s and 40s, where people were criticized or censured for making statements in support of the Confederate rebellion, for using unparliamentary language. Uh, more recently, Adam Schiff was censured for making unproven allegations and misrepresenting intelligence regarding Russian collusion in the 2016 presidential election. The to- first totally justified, yes. Mm-hmm. And then just uh, a week or so ago, Rashida Tlaib was censured for comments related to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And, and, and basically, <clears throat> what was she doing? Well, she was promoting the slogan that the Palestinian Hamas activists are using which is, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Okay, well, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, the river is the Jordan River, which is the uh, inland border of Israel, and the sea is the Mediterranean Sea, which is the uh, 
coastal border of Israel. So to say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, essentially advocates for the elimination of Israel and, some will say, for the killing of Jews. Uh, it's fundamentally a call for a Palestinian state extending from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, a territory that includes the state of Israel, which would mean the dismantling of the Jewish state. That, that is a summary of what the slogan is all about. And the interesting thing is that Democrats voted with Republicans to censure her, mostly Jewish Democrats, and a yeah. Jewish senator from Massachusetts uh, took it a step further. He says Tlaib's interpretation of, of the phrase is not how Jews view the phrase from the river to the sea. The Hamas uses it as a rallying cry, and they don't simply want to displace Jews in Israel. They want Jews dead. Well, that's pretty obvious from what they did on October 7th, isn't it? They want Jews dead. And they don't care whether it's uh, civilians. They don't care whether it's old people, old ladies or men. They don't care if it's children. And So and, and, it was... Uh Predominantly yes, Jewish, Jews, Jewish people dead. that wanted her and, censored. And they decapitate them, they rape them, they slaughter them, uh, and 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 that. So okay, that is let me what just is so cut. horrific. All right, so about what Hamas did. So she sens- she's censored. She goes to work as usual, and she gets a slap on the hand. <laughs> is that what that is? She yeah. gets and she gets uh, members of the squad, the the, the so-called squad, squad, all gather around and give her aid and comfort. So who are the, who's the squad? Who are these people that apparently love uh, the Palestinians? So what's, and what's the big deal? So the what's the big deal of uh, what's the big deal? Congress. What's the big deal of getting censored? It just hurts your hurts your pride or something? There's no, that's it, right? You're Ilhan censored. Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib. Jamal Mullman, who's the famous guy that tried to disrupt the debate by pulling the fire alarm in Cory Bush. Mm-hmm. So these, these are folks that are absolutely <clears throat> opposed to uh, U.S. policy in many instances uh, and who absolutely support Hamas in its activities in uh the Gaza Strip. So, so they have their job as usual. It just goes on their resume. They have their that, job as usual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that doesn't make much sense to me, except maybe it just highlights of, uh, of course, it gets other people to, to, to like her better, unfortunately. Let me take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, just a couple of more things with Rob Simmons. Always great to have him on our program. Uh, it's 1048. So just when things are, you know, we're... A lot of people with, uh, I think, a lot of common sense are pretty upset what's going on in our country today. And then I I see all these videos of uh, Hillary Clinton on The View comparing uh, Donald Trump to Hitler. And uh, here we go again. And I'm thinking, gee, the last the four years he was in, we didn't have any of these problems. But she said, oh, if he gets in again. And I say, enough, Hillary, please, enough. Do something well, else. I think I think a lot of people feel the same way. I had to work with Hillary Clinton when I was in Congress. <sighs> she was she was an absolute tyrant with her staff. She was uh, so self-centered on herself and and so unpleasant that legislation that I sponsored in the House that passed the House and went to the Senate, she would <clears throat> she would take it, put her name on it and introduce it as hers which would then kill it 
Uh, and, and so I'd have to go to the Senate and get a, a senator to take uh, my stuff and reintroduce it as we had introduced it to get it passed. Uh, she would have press releases on things that we did in the House uh, because, you know, she represented New York, so Long Island Sound was, was a common interest in the environment. <clears throat> she tried to take the Coast Guard Museum out of New London, uh, and we had to fight her on that. We eventually won on that, but she she took my Coast Guard Museum bill from the House. When it went to the Senate, she put her name on it, and it went to conference, and she said, no, it's going to, the, the museum's going to New York. <clears throat> and, and thank God for John McCain, who was chairman of the conference committee, and he supported the, the Coast Guard Museum staying in, in New London. But she, she's a, a, a thoroughly obnoxious, entitled, self-centered, and I would say corrupt politician, corrupt in that this Clinton Foundation was nothing but a ripoff. And, and she and her husband were smarter than Joe Biden in how they made their money through the Clinton Foundation. They, they have been accused, but they haven't been caught. Whereas Biden, you know, has screwed it up, as, as Barack Obama said. <laughs> there's there's nope. nothing, <clears throat> nothing I know of that Joe Biden can't F up. And this corruption with his son. I mean, it, look, if you're going to be corrupt, wh- why would you have your son, who's a cocaine addict, do all the legwork? Why would you do that? And, and he leaves his, his computer uh, with everything on it uh, at that uh, computer for, uh, station. Or well, you know, you know as well Delaware. as I that. Uh, I mean. <laughs> You know, unfortunately, uh, Rob, what, the he, way the Bidens and the Clintons have gotten away with what they've gotten away with. Well, I, Hillary obviously hasn't learned through the years, and uh, maybe she'll like be visited she needs by to three just ghosts. Shut up and go away. <laughs> All right, and, don't and don't hold back. Up. I mean, the whole Russian the whole Russian hoax the whole Russian hoax originated from the Democrat National Committee and her campaign. Her campaign and Barack Obama, Joe Biden, uh, CIA, FBI, and Justice Department were all briefed on that. They were all briefed on that, that it was a hoax. And yet they, they continued to play that, that uh, Donald Trump was somehow uh, involved with the Russians. And, of course, the Mueller report, two years of the Mueller report, poor old Mueller, he was... He was brain dead by the time the report <laughs> finally came guy. out. And the report said, nope, right, there's, I just there's wanna, nothing to it. I just but want to squeeze years, this in. Uh, that's what we obsessed on. And then for another two years, people like Adam Schiff kept uh, telling lies and telling lies and telling lies to, 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 well, to tear that. But he, wait a minute. He was censored. Big deal. Hey, listen, I just want to throw this in. Rob, just want to throw this in. I know that Donald Trump made an effort to get rid of TikTok. TikTok during this whole, uh, one of the many crises in the Middle East and the attack on Israel, has really penetrated some of their uh, power to get people to think a certain way. And if this is an indication of where it was coming from, that's got to be a wake-up call. Well, it should be. Uh, He he banned it. But then he was overruled by a yeah. liberal judge mm-hmm, right. who said it's a freedom of speech. It was not freedom of speech. It's espionage and propaganda. That's what it is. <clears throat> I actually got, I don't Twitter. I don't Facebook. I certainly don't TikTok. I don't do any of that. I don't want those damn people, uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't want them to see my face. 
or or what I what I do online. I don't blame you. you. Know, I don't think uh, people it, need it, to cut it, down it, on but, that. And yeah. during the debate last night, yeah. every Republican candidate candidate came out against TikTok, except Vavek Ramaswamy accused Nikki Haley's daughter yeah, I of saw being that. a TikTok user. To which Nikki said, "Leave my daughter out of it." <laughs> so, but you know, the point is there. Young people love this stuff and they're they're yeah. stupid they don't know how they're being manipulated they don't understand they don't well they should understand because people should they be don't. informing the, them america the, the youth of america today in many instances has had life too easy they've been coddled they've been allowed to scream and yell and get what they want from mommy and daddy or from from uh, from the mummy state you know the you know, free education. If you take a loan to go to college and have a good time, and and then you get out of college and nobody wants to hire you because you haven't studied anything worthwhile, well, why should you pay off the loan? It's, the government should pay it off. That's what Uncle Joe Biden wants to do. It, it teaches irresponsibility. Oh, yes, I could go on forever with you, but I can't do that to you. <laughs> you need to get a little rest. But... Uh... You know, I think about it, and I say, maybe there's something wrong with me, but, you know, but well, here's, here's, common uh, sense here's, is missing. Here's some, here's some words that, that speak to me, and, and again, I've been an intelligence officer for my professional career, 37 years in the military, 10 in the CIA. I served on the Senate Intelligence Committee. I was chairman of the Homeland Security Intelligence Subcommittee. I also believe in open source intelligence, which is there's a lot of information out there that you can get to, to analyze and form judgments if you take the time. Uh, but uh, President George Washington said years ago, truth will ultimately prevail where pains are taken to bring it to light. And, and studying the, the Durham report, studying the Mueller report, uh, studying about terrorism and their books. Uh, the first book I have on terrorism, 1981, The Terror Network, by Claire Sterling. Dozens of books have been published since then explaining how all of this works. If This is what you have to do. You have to read and you have to study and you have to figure it out. And then Thomas Jefferson, uh, one of my uh, favorite um, presidents, also said, if we are to guard against ignorance and remain free... It is the responsibility of every American to be informed. It is the responsibility of every American to be informed. Uh, in other words, you can't just, when you go to vote, you can't just say, well, I'm a Democrat, and I'm going to vote Democrat. Or I'm a Republican, I'm going to vote Republican. Mm -hmm. Or I'm a forward party, I'm going to vote for the forward party. You have to be able to make choices. And if you can't make choices, then you're going to you're going to be surprised when somebody gets elected, like that that uh, that Republican congressman from New York, who said, "Well, I'm Jewish, but he wasn't Jewish, <laughs> but I am Jewish. I felt like I was Jewish." I mean, you're going to be hoodwinked, and okay. people blame him and they want to throw him out of Congress for lying. But why didn't they do any opposition research? Why didn't they question, when he said he was Jewish, why didn't they question what synagogue did he go to? And, and, and what was his family if his family was Jewish? And where did his money come from? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Because he said things that the constituents liked to hear, and so they voted him in. Right, let me just uh, close out with this. When my uh, granddaughter was going to Tufts, 
college, and I just said there's just one bit of advice I want to give you. I said I want you to listen to all sides and then make up, you know, you'll have your opinion. Of course, she never got both sides, so that's exactly that right. was the problem. Well, that's exactly right. I, got know, a- I had a professor at Harvard, Barney Frank, and I didn't agree with Barney Frank. Of course, he's, he was a liberal Democrat, but at, at, at Harvard in the Kennedy School, he co-taught a course. I didn't believe, agree with him, so he gave me a B. <laughs> and when I challenged him on the B, he said, well, I just didn't like your paper. I said, well, what did you not like about it? And, and bottom line was, he didn't even read it. Oh, <laughs> teaching assistant read it. And then he gave me a B because he didn't like the way I spoke up in class. So, uh, typical. Rob, uh, you have a, if I don't talk to you, have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You too. So, invest to your listeners. No politics at the table. <laughs> That's right. Just a, just a turkey, and the turkey won't be Joe Biden. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Thank you. you. Bye-bye.